Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you an offering in the wintertime. We give you an offering in our pain. We give you an offering in our grief and our suffering because you are worthy. Lord, we fix our eyes on the one who is our Savior, who is our Prince of Peace. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. offering, let our worship be a sweet aroma to you this morning, God. A sweet sound in your ear. I will lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. My help comes from you the maker of heaven and earth. Thank you, helper. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Love you guys. So good. How was that? There's just a sweetness of the Holy Spirit in the room. Isn't that something? You just get honest and, and he comes and, and just has the freedom to be who he is to us. I love him for that. How about you? Thank you, George. All right. Well, this is week two in a series called Deserts and Valleys. We are talking about navigating hard times, difficult seasons in our lives. Last week, who was here last week? Who wasn't here last time? I'm just kidding. Um, Last week, we talked about what to do when you feel forgotten, navigating abandonment and loneliness. And this morning, I want to talk about uh, what do you do when you're grieving Or more specifically, how do we grieve the right way? How do we grieve in a way that actually invites the Lord's presence into that grieving space in our lives, okay? So Christmas is about the incarnation, right? It's about uh, Jesus just coming and dwelling with us. It's, It's God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. There's this messianic prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 Verse 2, and it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And I love that verse because it tells us that Christmas reminds us that hope is brightest in the darkness. And Jesus is the hope. He is the hope. No matter what you're going through this morning, uh, No matter what you're grieving, no matter what excruciating disappointment you're going through, I just want you to know that Jesus is with you today. And so let's just jump in. You may have heard it said 
that there are different stages of grief. Have you heard that before? That, you know, you, I, I, the worship team was sharing some of, their, um, some of their questions that you filled out this morning in rehearsal. And, and, uh, and someone was talking about the grieving process of someone that they, they lost. And, and they say, you know, I thought I was done with it. And then you turn a corner and then you're like, oh, wow, there, is, there it is again. And, and many of you have walked through loss and disappointment and grief and maybe even lost someone close to you that you love. And some of you could teach this today. Some of you walked with the Lord in such darkness and, and with such tenderness with him and you've learned so much. You could literally write a book about what you've been through and you could teach us. And uh, C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed, he says this, grief is like a long valley a winding valley where any bend may reveal a totally new landscape. It's just that thing of, okay, I'm grieving. Okay, I think I'm done grieving. Oh, no, I'm not. There's still that pain there. There's still that disappointment. It feels so fresh right now. And how many know Christmas does that? That's just how it goes with the holidays. It's like the, the wound is open again, you know, and how that's why we're doing this, not avoiding that, but but saying, what do we do in seasons like this? And I believe that if we just let the Lord be who he is this Christmas, we'll have a different outlook on this. And I, it's like I told the team this morning, I believe that healing is starting this morning. Can I just say thank you for being brave this morning? Come on, give yourself a hand for that. Like, you were courageous, and it takes courageous vulnerability sometimes to begin healing. And so uh, grief not only has different stages, but grief uh, can look different. There's different types of grief. Charles Spurgeon, I read this quote a couple weeks ago. He said, There's many, there are many sorts of broken hearts, and Christ is good at healing them all. That's good stuff. Grief can come as, re as a result of losing a loved one. But grief doesn't have to be the death of a person doesn't have to be surrounded by a death of a person. It can be the death of a dream. It could be unmet expectations. It could be, man, when we started out on this marriage, we had such high hopes, and now the marriage is falling apart. And that's where you find yourself this Christmas, looking at divorce, possibly. Maybe you, you had um, you, you, your dreams of starting a family They've never panned out. They haven't panned out yet. And you're sitting in that waiting of like, God, where are you? Why aren't my prayers being answered? And you're, go ahead and call that grief. Okay? Now, we're not in a suffering contest. All grief is valid. All grief is valid. And maybe, perhaps, and this is what I've kind of noticed in, uh, in my own journey with the Lord, and seeing a therapist and counselor and stuff over the years. I mean, that's a good thing. I just need to throw that out there as a pastor every once in a while. Counseling's good. You're not lacking faith if you go to therapy. Okay? God gives us good gifts. You take Tylenol. Uh, why didn't it work for the brain, you know? So, anyway. So grief's not a contest. All grief is valid. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. But I'm just a guy who has learned a little bit 
walking through the through grief with the Lord. And my goal is not to teach you anything this morning. My goal is just to give you some hope. And, uh, and hope's going to be found in his word this morning. So how do we grieve? Number one, grieve with honesty. Everybody say honesty. Honesty. We've already practiced that this morning. Part of biblical lament, the first step is honesty. Grieve with honesty. Pete Scazzaro says this. He said, there is no greater disaster in the spiritual life than to be immersed in unreality. In fact, the true spiritual life is not an escape from reality, but an absolute commitment to it. I love that because someone asked me, what's this series? What's the point of this series? And I said, life is hard and we need Jesus in each other. Like that, that's it. How many know life is hard? The longer I live my life, I'm more convinced of that. It's hard. It's just hard. There are seasons of joy. There are seasons of celebration where you're on cloud nine and there are the lowest valleys that you never even thought that you'd have to walk through. And if you're not in one right now, I've got really bad news. Like you're going to be in a valley before you know it. But guess what? You're going to be on a mountaintop. And then you're going to be in a valley. And God's with you no matter if you're on the mountaintop or in the valley. Emmanuel. God with us. This is what this is. It's reminding us. He hasn't left us. We can't see him, feel him, touch him. But he's there. He's never leaving. But it starts with honesty. We have to grieve with honesty. And just go ahead and just acknowledge life is not easy. Life is full of suffering. Life is full of pain. Life is full of loss. To be human is to lose something. It is, you're, you're going to lose things. You're going to grieve things. And that is totally normal. But you know, it's never been easier for us to immerse ourselves in unreality. We can, we can, we can drown our sorrows on social media. We can live other people's lives. We can... We can numb ourselves with entertainment and we can insulate ourselves to this false reality that's not even what's going on. And, and I think when we do that, it's, it, it is a coping mechanism, right? Like we just want to escape it. We don't want to deal with it. But I think the longer we run and the longer we insulate ourselves in a false reality and dishonesty, the longer we prolong our healing. And I love, I love this idea that we could just come to God with our honesty. We come to ourselves with honesty. We come to each other with honesty, and that is actually where our healing begins. So number one, we grieve with honesty. Number two, we grieve with God. The Psalms are full of lament. You, you read David, sometimes you're like, is this dude a Christian? Like, you, like this is painful stuff, especially when you get into the, uh, the modern translations and they take the these and thous out, and you're like, oh, no, this feels like real life right now. Like, ooh, I, I feel this one, you know. Listen to this, Psalm chapter 10, verse 1. Why, Lord, do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Have you ever asked God, where are you right now? 
Like, I know Emmanuel got with us. That's what the preacher said. But, <laughs> man, it feels like you're a million miles away and you don't give a snot about me. And that's honesty. And do you know that God doesn't get offended when you say things like that to him? Do you know he's not, oh, I'm so worried about Gunner right now. He's just, hmm. No, he's like, okay, you're finally being honest with me. And not putting on your religious mask. Man, growing up in church is such a gift. But there are some things that come with it that we need to leave behind. And one of those is dishonesty. I think we, we, uh, we've been told that it's not okay to say you're not okay. That if you know the Lord, you're blessed and you should just act like it all the time and act happy. And I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Well, the reality is it may be down in your heart. But sometimes it feels buried. Yeah. Psalm 131 and 2. Out of the depths, I cry to you. The deep, dark place. The pit. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Why would you pray that, sing that, write a song about that if you felt like God wasn't listening? Yeah. <laughs> you ever thought about that? The psalmist is like, hear me, listen to me. It doesn't feel like you're listening. I'm crying out from the pit. I'm in the pit. Psalm 38, 9 and 10. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light is gone from my eyes. I love that honesty. And here's the, here's, the, here's the deal. When you grieve with God and when you lay your heart open bare to God in your suffering, in your moment of pain, you're in your grief, you're not grieving with a God who doesn't know what grief feels like. The Bible calls Jesus a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He knows it well. He's lived it. He's walked it out. When you identify with Jesus, he's identifying with you. Not just when you're on your good days, but when you're doubting, grieving, lonely, fill in the blank. He's there and he's identifying with you because he's walked it and he's felt it. I love that the gospel writers left the part in there about when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. I just like... He has a heart. Like I think sometimes we forget that God actually feels. And he walks with us in our pain. He's stability in our storms. Because he's been there. He's comfort in our calamity. I'm reading Job. I just finished it. I've been in it for like two months. Do you know how long that book is? Like 40-something chapters? I'm like, oh, this is, this is heavy stuff. 
You know what happens to Job? He loses everything. And it's like, why do bad things happen to Job? Nobody really answers that question. The friends come along and they're like, I'll tell you what's wrong with you. I'll tell you why this is happening. You didn't do this and this and this and all. You know, there's just a bunch of speculation and a lot of not so good friends that come into his life and tell him what he needs to do better. And then Job is just honest before God. And the Lord comes and brings clarity. And I love this. At the end of Job, in, in uh, chapter 42, verse 5, Job says this about the Lord. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Like I knew, I knew about you. But grief and suffering actually revealed something about you that I never saw before. As painful as grief is, and as hard, of it, as hard as it is to think of it as a gift, there is a gift in grief that reveals the nature of a father that we would not know to that level had we not suffered and known him in our suffering. So we grieve with honesty. We grieve with God. Number three, we grieve in community. I think this is maybe the hardest one, depending on our personality. Some of you this morning were like, I am not reading my card. And that's okay. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes I hate God. You know, like, I don't, like, just honest, like, overly honest, like, oh, okay. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who are mourning. Romans 15, 1 and 2, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each, is a, each, is a, each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. And listen, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. What these verses tell us that the church is meant to be a place of support, not shame. The church is actually meant to be a, a place of comfort, not condemnation. Make it your aim to be the safest place someone could come when they've done the darkest thing. Make it your aim to be the safest place someone could come when they're feeling their lowest. That they know they're not going to get like Job's friends. I'll tell you what you need to do. We just try to fix people so quickly. I'm the world's worst. What if we just listened? That's why I told you when you did your little lament exercise. This isn't counseling. This isn't prayer time. Just say it and say, you are heard. Sometimes people just need to be heard and seen. That's what community's for. So if you're grieving today and you feel alone in your grief, this is hard, but I just want to challenge you to take a chance on somebody. Take a chance on vulnerability. Take a chance on the church.
I know you've probably been hurt before and you don't feel like it's a safe place. You, you don't feel like um, maybe some friends went out and told what you told them. Maybe they didn't. Listen, if you're hurting, no one truly understands what you're going through. I think sometimes when we're, we're walking through grief or pain and we see others rejoicing, it's offensive. It's like we don't know how to, I, don't, I, can't, I can't get on that with you, you know, like, I'm not feeling that. And, and also, we can, we can think, okay, well, nobody cares. Because they can't fully connect with what you're going through, because they can't see inside of us, right? You, the, a person can't see what you're really going through. They don't know how bad you're hurting. And so here's the challenge to us as believers, is to be a place that just, is an open ear. Hey, tell me what's going on and not come at them with judgment or trying to fix. Just listen, just be an ear. And then if you're grieving alone, give people grace because they don't know. They just don't know. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean they can't still be a support. So take a chance on community. Let somebody carry your burden with you. You actually weren't meant to carry it by yourself. We're meant to do this together. So grieve with honesty. Y'all been paying attention? Grieve with God. Grieve in community. And then the last point is this. Grieve with hope. Grieve with hope. You know you can have hope while you're grieving? 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I've read, I've read this little passage at many a graveside. And it just says this. We don't grieve as those who don't have hope. It doesn't say believers don't grieve. It says we don't grieve like we don't have hope. We can actually grieve and it be encapsulated by this immovable hope, permeated by this joyful expectation that good is on its way. That's what hope is. Hey, something good's coming. It's not good right now, but it's coming. My mom always says, anytime something bad happens, she says, everything's temporary. Somebody told her that one time when she was in a low place, and she, that's her thing now. Hey, it's temporary. It's temporary. Here's what I want to encourage you with today is that no matter how bad you're hurting right now, the Bible teaches that you can expect the goodness of God in this life. And in the life to come. Now, is it always going to be good? But you can expect the goodness of God. Even in suffering, even in the darkest places. I love this part about Job too. It's Job 42, 12. It says, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. I wouldn't know what to do with 1,000 camels. But the point is, something good's coming. Something good's coming. Listen, and, and most things don't pan out like we want them to. But that doesn't mean God's plan ain't good. It doesn't turn out good. For those, what was meant for evil in Joseph's, li Joseph's life, God meant it for good. It doesn't mean God's the author of suffering. It just means he knows how to take it and twist it and make it good. And it just happens all the time. That's who he is. He's, he's Redeemer. He can take your darkest day 
and put some light in it. That's just who he is. But you can also expect the goodness of God in the life to come. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, 17 through 18 says this. Oh, listen to this. Oh, man, listen to this. Especially if you're grieving right now. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What you're going through right now does not compare to what will be. Light and momentary. If you were to look at it in the, in the context of eternity, it feels heavy and it feels like it's been going on for a long time. But in the grand scheme of things, light and momentary. But, what, but the, the context is, if you knew what was coming, it wouldn't be so heavy. If you really could grasp what was coming, you'd realize this is temporary and good is on its way. I felt to close the service today with a blessing over us, if we could do that. I've done this a number of times. Isaiah 61 is a, it's a passage for my life, for our family. I feel like it's a passage for every believer um, and for our church family. But I think sometimes... We just need to believe the blessing and promises of God. And we need somebody just to speak that over us when we can't see it for ourselves. So this is how we're going to end service today. Everybody stand, and I'm going to speak a blessing over you. And then we're going to be dismissed. I love that, brother. He's just got his hands out like this. Like, I want, I want it, Jesus, you know. These beautiful words, don't let them just be words. Take these in. Isaiah 61, the prophet is, is writing these words that are read by Jesus in the synagogue in Luke 4, 18. So it just echoes throughout eternity. It's not an Old Testament thing. It's not just a new covenant thing. It's a today thing for you. And he says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called, listen, there's more to come. They will be called. You will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. You will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers, strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. 
And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Can we say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with us in our grief. You're with us in our pain. And something really good is on the way. We believe it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen, amen. You guys have a great week. See you next week. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.